tuned in to CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria for Coastal Voices every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. where we explore Indigenous issues all across Turtle Island. Hello, welcome to CFUV 101.9 in Victoria. You can also stream online at cfuv.uvic.ca. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash CFUV 101.9 and at CFUV on Twitter. Today I'll be speaking with Dion Smith-Docky about two-spirit resources among the community here at UVic and throughout Victoria or Lagwangan territories. And we'll be talking about how we continue to advocate for queer, trans, gay, lesbian, bisexual, two-spirit, and everything in between for Indigenous people. Recently, a group of two-spirit Indigenous folks decided to come together and create a safe space for one another and advocate within the community for two-spirit people. The hope is that this place... This space will eventually become a uh, popular space for Indigenous folks who identify as Two-Spirit or queer or otherwise, uh, or otherwise non-hetero, and who have felt erasure within the queer community. Um, hello, Dion. Hey there. Thank you for joining me today. Um, can I ask you a bit about your own identity and your Indigenous heritage? Sure thing. Um, I'm from Northern BC, from a community called West Moberly First Nations. Uh, it's by Fort St. John. Um, that's my mom, myself, and my brother are members of that community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Dunaza, Cree, and Soto heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, my father's a white man. And, yeah, I, live, I lived near um, where my family lived, um, in the neighboring town of Chetwind, mm-hmm. for the first seven years of my life. Moved to Grand Prairie, Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, moved back for a year in grade five and then, um, uh, moved back to Grand Prairie. And so, and then I moved down to Victoria when I was, uh, 18. So that was about four years ago. And you moved here for school. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, what are you taking at UVic? Uh, I'm in the women's studies program, soon mm-hmm. to be known as gender studies. Oh, great. Awesome. And how does that tie into your, uh, identity as a two-spirit person? Uh, it's like... Help me come to that identity, oh, to be quite honest. that's awesome. Uh, can you talk about that journey a little bit? Well, I came out as gay when I was 13, grade 8. Mm-hmm. Um, went through a few different struggles with that. Um, and being away from my community, I always knew that my mom and my brother and I were Native people, but didn't necessarily feel a very strong connection to that, yeah. as opposed to, like, sort of, like, feeling connection to white gays, mm-hmm. which in the end became something that like was very empty for me. Mm-hmm. So really these past few years I've been coming to coming to that place where I can be comfortable as both like indig- an indigenous person, a mixed race person, and a queer indigenous person, a two-spirited person. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a bit about what two-spirit identity means to us as indigenous people and... Um, why we use that term to describe queer folks in... And uh, I guess talk a little bit about that, because it's not just a term that is for queer people or uh, bisexual people or gay people. It's, you know, basically it's a inclusive term. It's a blanket term. It's for non-hetero Indigenous people to describe their gender, their sexuality, and, and also their spirituality, because as we were speaking about earlier, 
uh, spirituality really ties in to two-spirit identity for uh, two-spirit folks. So let's talk a little bit about that. Excellent. (laughs) Okay. So I guess when I came to that term, two-spirit, was in fact last summer I was at my community doing work with the culture department. Mm -hmm. Um, A woman, a Dene woman, who who, like, um, works in the land department asked like how long have you known that you're two-spirited and I had thought about being two-spirited before but wasn't sure that was something I could claim mm-hmm. as or like not even claim like sort of like be as say that I was mm-hmm. and I was like what like, <laughs> yeah. how did you know <laughs> obviously people who know me know that like I'm like a queer person mm-hmm. but also know that I'm like an indigenous person so that term like fits as like something to use for me Mm-hmm. And so I, after that point, I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this and, like, be this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And it is uh, kind of a journey to come to a term like that because a lot about Indigenous culture is about respect and not feeling like you want to lay claim on anything that isn't yours. So I've definitely struggled with my own uh, issues with the term to a spirit, whereas now I feel more comfortable that I'm finding a community within Indigenous queer folks who are coming together and wanting to support one another and, and use this term <clears throat> for one another if we choose to. Um, when we say this, we don't mean that you have to identify with it. It is just kind of like a blanket term for Indigenous queer folks. Um, part of why Dion's on the show today is because we're going to speak about a group that has recently been formed for Indigenous uh, folks who identify as two-spirit or gay or trans or queer or asexual or bisexual or lesbian and the list goes on. Or if you don't identify as one of those things, it's basically just a support group for Indigenous people of a non-hetero <laughs> uh, <laughs> persuasion. Because uh, speaking with a lot of Two-Spirit folks, we find there's a disconnect between our culture and and our sexuality because some of us come from really supportive communities like Dion was telling me that he comes from a really supportive community where they've been really supported to, to supportive to him as a two spirit person, whereas the community I come in, I come from, isn't hasn't always talked about two spirit people uh, in a good way or has not talked about it at all. I feel like so I didn't really find a space there for myself. I found a space within. <clears throat> queer groups in Victoria, which was wonderful, but there was always a bit of a disconnect between uh, indigeneity and queer identity. Um, Could you speak a little bit about your own experiences uh, within the queer community here? Well, I'd like to mirror a lot of the things you were saying, like, very Mm -hmm. much, like, I don't feel as though queers are really able to get, like, where I'm coming from or, like, what I want to bring Mm -hmm. to, like, our, like, interactions yeah very much like there's an erasure of like being Mm -hmm. indigenous Mm -hmm. in like queer communities people don't often want to talk about it because I feel as though well I'm not sure why they don't but we're changing that (laughs) yeah yeah, we're changing that well that's the thing like I feel as though 
people aren't willing to like recognize that like things are really messed up and that mm-hmm. native people are like very much depicted in certain ways mm-hmm. to uh, like for their benefit mm-hmm. yeah it's true and i think you're talking about uh how there is like a lot of problematic nature within queer communities um and it doesn't get talked about as much as as we'd like it to and it creates an erasure and a detachment for people of color and indigenous people who might be looking for a space for their queerness and their indigeneity or their identity as a person of color to hang out together um I'm going to speak a little bit about resources because as of now, there are not a ton of resources in Victoria or on the island, which is why this group is so important to the Indigenous folks in Victoria. Some resources online are nativeout.com and aboriginalsexualhealth.ca and also the Youth Aboriginal uh, Sexual Health Network is a really good resource and that's on Facebook and I believe they're based in Toronto. Yeah. And that's been a good resource if we've seen a ton of amazing things, artwork and otherwise, coming out of that group. What we're trying to create here is a space just like that in Victoria, um, where people can come together and like make make art and, um, I don't know, a bunch of different things. We haven't decided everything <laughs> we're going to do yet. We were hoping to set up a table at Pride. If that, if that comes into fruition, that would be great. Um, we want to support people and their cultural identities. We want to talk about what allyship means and how to be a good ally if you choose to be. Uh, we want to talk about acknowledging land and uh, cultural differences and spirituality. And we just want to pr- provide support for Indigenous people. Um, <clears throat> what resources have you found in Victoria or otherwise that have really helped you on your journey? Has it been community-based? Uh, very much so. Mm-hmm. I um, I didn't realize it at the time, but when I was younger, there was like someone who like started to t- say, like, I'm two-spirited in mm-hmm. my life like when I was very young and I realize now that that was like a very much very much that person is like very much a point of strength for me mm-hmm. and I like really cherish the time that I've spent with them and the times that I do see them now that's so important to um for people to have space to be who they are and to feel uh like someone understands them or even if someone maybe doesn't understand you just provides you a space to be yourself and we're not seeing a lot of that in um pride-based communities and events in victoria and that's why we're here to create this group so last week we came together on sunday at wilna thomas community center at camosun and that was really great. We got a few people together, and one of them, uh, the coordinators were Kareen and I can't remember her last name, but uh, Kareen and Sarah Hunt, uh, and they're they're providing a space for us and kind of um, a bit of a mentorship, a bit of a structure and a space, uh, and providing space for us to come together as Indigenous folks and to start brainstorming about what we can do within the community or two-spirited people to feel safer and happier and to feel like they have a community. Because as it stands, I think you find community within your friends and within your family, but it's that's not always enough when you need more support. Completely. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, can we talk about the importance of coming together as an Indigenous or Two-Spirit person? Um, what those implications are and how important it's been for for you finding community with an Indigenous people here? I feel as though the implications are, like, extremely deep and mm-hmm. extremely, like, life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I feel as though, like, queer Indigenous people, Two-Spirited people need a place that is their own mm-hmm. like when we're talking about the language of claiming mm-hmm. a word that i like regret using earlier on but mm-hmm. i think there's a discussion around that too about reclaiming some... but yeah. at any rate when for instance um white people very much white queers very much claim spaces mm-hmm. and very much dominate spaces and don't allow for like um experiences that are not their own to be spoken and like heard mm-hmm. i feel like I feel like these spaces are so important because we need to recognize ourselves and we need to witness mm-hmm. our journeys. Yeah, and even within uh, a lot of the media that we see uh, surrounding queer culture and gay culture, uh, it is very much whitewashed and there doesn't allow a lot of space for someone who will say, someone who is not sure about their identity yet, but they want to come out Maybe if they had a space or some sort of representation of what it meant to be two-spirit, maybe they would be safer. Maybe definitely they would be safer. I totally agree. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel as though I would gain, like, a lot of, I feel like I have gained a lot of bravery from, like, seeing other two-spirited folks and Mm -hmm. seeing other, like, queer native folks just live their lives and, Mm -hmm. like survive exactly and that's so important for indigenous people that there's a huge conversation around survival in general but when uh you come from an oppressed group already and then there's this other thing that sometimes in your community there's not a lot of education about that's what this is about that's what we're talking about we want to bring education to uh Indigenous communities across Canada and otherwise. Um, right now, we're working on this in Victoria because as I looked for resources in Victoria for Two-Spirit Indigenous folks, I found almost nothing, which is really upsetting because I know a ton of Two-Spirit Indigenous folks myself, and I know that there is a need for it and a want for it, and there's going to continue to be as as people grow grow up and, and new people are born and find these identities <clears throat> so this group is i don't know if it has a name yet i'm sure we'll come <laughs> up with one soon but uh our plans are pretty broad can we talk a little bit about like what we brainstormed about the other day oh it was such a cool meeting mm-hmm. i was really happy that it happened mm-hmm. i feel like we brainstormed about doing a zine mm-hmm. about like get, bringing people in to like bring two-spirit artists and, and queer native artists and, like, queer queer native creators. Mm-hmm. Or, like, um, musicians. People who, yeah, musicians, people, creative, uh, sorry. People, mm. So sort of, like, I don't know, find ways to express ourselves, find ways to, like, speak our truths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, new ways to do that and different activities that we can participate in. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was younger, there was a great group, it was a GSA in Victoria, and it was run by the YMYWCA, and it was called Sexy, and it was for youth, and it was really, really great, but there was never any conversation around two-spiritedness, so I had no idea what that was until 
I was older and I would hear elders use that term and then, you know, I wanted to look into it myself and I thought, well, that seems like an identity that that fits for me, that feels feels safe for me and it feels right. And um, But you don't find a lot of groups or places that cater to those needs because the needs of Indigenous folks are very specific, especially especially two-spirited folks, because there isn't always education around that growing up uh, in your communities or on reservations or what have you. Um, as I was saying before, Dion is a student at Women's Studies, which is now tur- turning into Gender Studies. Uh, can you talk a bit about how that's helped you uh, kind of discover your identity? can it's <laughs> just an amazing program very powerful the professors are so giving and kind and also like teaching extremely important material that's like helped me come to that mm-hmm. sort of hmm, professors that really come to mind are like christine welsh who teaches a lot of the indigenous studies components mm-hmm. of that program has very much gives people gives people voices gives her indigenous students voices Mm-hmm. Another professor is jo- Dr. Joanne Lee, mm-hmm. who very much like hits the hard stuff, hits like questions of race and like how racialized individuals are like being in the world. Mm-hmm. Conversations that aren't always easy to have. Completely. <laughs> um, yeah, it seems like the people who I've spoken to at UVic who've been taking gender studies and women's studies have benefited a lot in their own understanding of indigeneity. There seems to be a lot of new focus on on that and um, and help for Indigenous students here, which is great with the First People's House. Um, I'm hoping in the future that we can work in conjunction with the First People's House to have some sort of events. And uh, Dion and I were speaking earlier about in Vancouver, they have Two-Spirit Sweats. Mm -hmm. And here they have sweats on, uh, I'm not sure if they're on or off campus, but I know they're provided by the First People's House and the Indigenous programs there. Uh, I was hoping moving forward we can lean towards things like that, having a, a two-spirit sweat. There's no lack of two-spirit people in the community here, and it would be wonderful to see as we kind of walk into this, people opening the doors to us and providing more opportunities for two-spirit people to engage within the community in different ways. Um, those ways can be fun (laughs) and having like dances and get-togethers like that having events having tables at powwows there's so much that like that can be done to sort of like expand like how roles are like seen now and how Mm -hmm. can how they can be acted on or acted through in the future Mm -hmm. what was it like growing up in moberly lake well, I lived with my mom and dad. We would often drive back to the lake. It's a 15-minute drive, okay. so we were back and forth quite often. Awesome. I have really precious memories of that place, and I'm really grateful that I get to go back in the summers to visit and work and contribute to my community and mm-hmm. give back. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you'll be doing there? Uh, this summer, I'll have hopefully... A few different roles. I'm hoping to work in the culture department again. Mm-hmm. Really, my roles center around 
collecting stories and sort of learning about our history as a community mm-hmm. and also like personal histories it's all very important to like to learn and share and mm-hmm. I'm just very blessed that I get to do that certainly and is that in conjunction with your work here or is that something uh, that came about differently it came about differently but I find now that my work in the community is very much like affecting how I um it relate with um my experiences here mm-hmm. and in your studies too completely mm-hmm. um moving forward what do you hope to see in the indigenous indigenous community for two-spirit people what type of things like would be a step in the right direction for you oh i'm not sure it's <laughs> that's such a huge question though it's no 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 I feel though it's it's important to ask because it's important to make people imagine Mm -hmm. how they'd like to see things and how things could be yeah because we can dream and I think dreams (laughs) or I think dreams can come true yeah yeah totally I think like you know people listen and people will you know come together Mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to ask for um what you need and that's difficult that's difficult and that's been my experience sometimes it takes time the hope with this programming is that people won't have to ask and that it'll just be there for them when they need it when they're ready for it um what we're going to be looking at in this two-spirit gathering which might be weekly, it might be bi-weekly. We're kind of working out the kinks and seeing how that goes and, and what works best for people because we know everybody is super busy, but support is so important in so many different ways. We have support from our teachers and our family and our peers, but sometimes we need support on things that relate more to identity, uh, especially in gender identity and sexuality identity that can be difficult things to talk about with people who may not understand so we're attempting to create a space that caters to those needs so that we'll be able to talk about our identities our spirituality our experiences as queer indigenous folks and uh, what we can do for future generations and future people to come into the space to make it a safe space, to make it an inclusive space, and to allow for support and change in the community. Um, You can reach the Two-Spirit Gathering, (laughs) I guess, Facebook group by emailing to, that's the number two, spirit.victoria at gmail.com. And recently, Dr. Sarah Hunt uh, spoke with Nexus Newspaper. And if you're looking for a bit of a broader understanding of what two-spirit means, like maybe you don't have any understanding of what that means, it provides a really good explanation. Um whereas sometimes it's hard to find words <laughs> for what it all the things it encompasses i mean mm-hmm. you can't really find words for everything it means to be two spirit but it has a really good description of what sarah and uh some other people who are very very intelligent indigenous people uh think it means to be indig- uh two spirit folks um a lot of that is surrounding cultural protocol and 
and decolonizing our attitudes about about I guess society in general um, a lot of that is about uh, identifying the needs for two-spirit folks and then going from there and um, moving forward we really hope that we can provide a space for two-spirit folks to come together and I just say two-spirit really broadly I mean <clears throat> non-hetero indigenous folks who want to come together and find a safe space where they maybe not have found one before and um we'll be talking and having tea and listening to music and creating art together creating zines um we haven't decided on the next meeting so that's why it's a good idea to get up on our facebook page but to do that since it's a private group for people's anonymity and everything like that uh you can email to that's the number two spirit dot victoria at gmail.com to get invited to the facebook page where we'll be speaking more about uh different events we'll be having and and where they'll be happening and when they'll be happening and things like that uh, I'd just like to thank Dion for coming on my show today and being such a great guest. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, do you have anything to add? Or <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much, Dion. Uh, and once again, that email is twospirit.victoria at gmail.com. That's the Nexus to Hello, hello. That was A Tribe Called Red with Shatas. It was from their album a tribe called red self-titled album they're just coming back from a juno win which is awesome when we spoke to them on native waves they had said that they intentionally didn't run for the aboriginal category because they wanted to stand next to uh all the all the juno nominated artists and show that they could they could win and they did and we're so proud of them congratulations it's a great win for all indigenous people and we're really really proud of them and up next i have a short interview with morgan retzer bowman who has come to me from uvic law to speak a little bit about um the letter writing process from UVic Law. Uh, as you may know, UVic Law has decided to l- write a letter to Parliament uh, to push for um, a call to indig- missing and murdered Indigenous women so that an inquiry will happen because, as you may or may not know, there was not uh, an appropriate one happening. So uh, today I spoke, or last week I spoke with Morgan and she gave me some information on what UVic Law is doing in regards to that. Here it is. Being with Morgan Retzer Bowman from UVic Law. Hi, Morgan. Thank you so much for speaking to me today about UVic Law Society's call for federal inquiry into the murdered and missing Indigenous women. Could you speak about what prompted this call to action? Sure. It was a call made by the uh, Law Student Society Executive, the President, Yanni Pappas-Akerman, um, along with the other executives at the LSS, um, drafted a letter to the federal government pushing for an inquiry. And that was that work was done closely with a fellow law student in second year. Her name is Elizabeth Zarpa, and she was instrumental in helping to draft that letter because she was uh, very close friends with Miss Loretta Saunders wow. from Nova Scotia. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I was just wondering how this research is funded and um, 
who is all involved in the research? Is it a select group of people or is it um, everybody in UVic Law or uh, how does that work? Um, the research for which? The Indigenous Women, uh, Missing Women Inquiry, like group of people that came together and decided mm-hmm. we're going to research this and kind of something that just happened or mm-hmm. was it a work in progress? Well, it, there's no actual research being done at the law at the law school at UVic. Mm-hmm. Um, this was just a letter drafted by the Law Student Society to push for an inquiry. So we're hoping that the research um, will be done by this inquiry, this body commission um, by the government, mm-hmm. um, and that will include certain uh, national Aboriginal organizations like the National Women's Aboriginal um, organization, uh, the Pogtutit Inuit Women's Organization and the Assembly of First Nations, um, that they will do the research to figure out why this is happening in all of our communities, um, why it continues to happen and what some of our solutions, uh, that can be done to prevent it. How is UVic Law working to get involved in Indigenous issues in other ways? Well, at the UVic Law School, uh, we have a certain cohort of Indigenous students as well as Indigenous faculty. Yeah, this is this is one of the first steps that the Law Student Society, as an executive, has taken to uh, an advocacy role mm-hmm. for uh, Indigenous people and Indigenous communities, and we're hoping that that will continue in the future yeah. um, because it's a very powerful uh, voice, um, as it is, you know, a well, these people will be representing a professional uh, group of people who mm. will impact laws and the way that they are uh, enforced and the way that they are used in our society at large. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of things going on in the community to support, in our law school community, to support Indigenous students. And we're also actively trying to build bridges with um, the Indigenous communities Um Every fall, there's uh, Ab Camp, we call it, mm-hmm. which is uh, a group of mostly first-year law students who have the opportunity to go to um, a community, uh, it's usually Tseout or Tartlet, mm-hmm. um, and participate in cultural activities and meet with elders. And for some of these students, it's the first time they've had that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and it's really great to see that uh, with people, again, who are going into the field of law, who will be working with legislation and individuals and communities who are deeply affected by uh, patterns of colonialism. Mm-hmm. So it's really great to see that the law school is... Um, doing their part to raise awareness. Yeah, and create understanding and a relationship between law professionals and Indigenous community. Mm-hmm. It's it's good to see that the UVic Law are stepping up. It seems like, like you say, there's a huge community on campus for Indigenous law students, and it's wonderful to see that moving forward uh, they're going to be advocating for Indigenous women. Mm-hmm. Um, how do your own studies tie into this? Well, uh, I'm a self-identified Indigenous student. Mm-hmm. My family is uh, Ojibwe Métis from Sault Ste. Marie. Mm-hmm. And it's a passion coming into law school that I wanted to learn more about the laws of Canada and also more about how to work with Indigenous legal systems and traditions um, so that I could in some way benefit my community or any communities that I would be working with. Right now I'm taking the courses that I'm meant to be taking, you know, I'm taking criminal law and I'm taking contract law and all that kind of stuff in the first year, but I'm really looking forward to, in uh, my upper years, taking um, courses that will challenge me and help me grow to being an advocate and being uh, a person who can really support communities in the way that they need in in legal situations. Mm -hmm. 
What are the ex- expectations coming uh, from UVic Law and um, moving forward? Uh, what do they hope will come from this this call to action? I think that they are hoping to see um, that the federal government will uh, take responsibility for this issue. Um, The federal government under Section 9124 of the Constitution is responsible for Indians and lands reserved for Indians. So this is directly their responsibility to um, ensure the the well-being of Indigenous women across Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this inquiry is the first step to many steps in the future that will need to be taken. Um, But I think that we would like to see this inquiry um, be well-funded and have the capacity to really make the change in the short-term and long-term that we need to see. Has UVic Law been working with other academic associations to push them to write letters and Mm -hmm. put out a call for an inquiry? I know that we're utilizing social media Mm -hmm. um, to connect with other students that are across Canada law Mm -hmm. schools. And definitely, you know, there's been an open invitation for them to support um, to support this. I mean, if all of the law student societies and all the law schools in Canada sent letters, it would send a huge message to the government and to to Canadian society that this matters. And it's a problem for everyone, not just for Indigenous people. So um, I know that Dalhousie University and their law school has also followed suit uh, to issue a letter. And uh, I know some other academic organizations that are not directly in law, but um, St. Mary's University obviously has put forward the call. Um, and that's, that's really great to see that support and solidarity. What other ways do you think uh, we can advocate for Indigenous women besides this one way? And that's, uh, that's the really important question, I think, is that uh, writing letters is good and, and contacting, you know, our representatives in government. Um, tomorrow at 12 p.m. down at Centennial Square, uh, we're having a rally um, for to call for an inquiry. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been uh, kind of led by my friend Elizabeth, and it's going to be in tangent with uh, similar rallies being held across the country. Uh, to call for this inquiry. So that's that's another way that's from 12 to 1 down at Centennial Square. That's some, some way that people can support this. The more numbers that we have, the more obvious that it is that our representatives need to, to listen to this and take this seriously. But there's also a lot of things that can be done in the community, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, supporting each other as Indigenous women, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, building bridges and relationships with other institutions, right? This this gets to systems like the education system, the healthcare system, the social work system, all of these points of access which create vulnerabilities and qualities in the system can be places where individuals, not just governments, can help to, to repair and to build, to keep our communities safer. It's really important as um, a people that we come together and support Indigenous women so that it's not just a continued battle looking for Indigenous women, but protecting the ones that are existing now and mm-hmm. and revitalizing our culture and ensuring that they have safe spaces to exist within. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would also like to add that, you know, it's really important that Indigenous men mm-hmm. and non-Indigenous men and women mm-hmm. um, also see this as, as a part of the safety in their families and their, uh, their communities. Um, Indigenous women are vulnerable for all kinds of reasons, mm-hmm. um, and I think that the more that our men can step up and uh, and take this on in their own lives, in their own workplaces, um, you know, it, it will create safer families and safer communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. 
Have you guys been working with uh, MPs in Victoria at all to egg them on, I guess, to be writing letters to the parliament? Um, I don't know if that direct action has been taken. I certainly think that most of the the members of parliament in Victoria are members of the opposition Mm -hmm. um, in the federal government, which has had a very strong voice in pushing for an inquiry. This particular letter that we wrote went to you know, the Harper government mm-hmm. and particularly Mr. Valcourt and Mr. Peter McKay, those ministers, it's been directed to. But right now, yeah, we're, we're asking for um, the opposition, but also the, the members of parliament who hold the majority to change their position on how this funding gets allocated and how this, that this inquiry will go forward. Thank you so much, Morgan. Thank you very much, Sasha. I'd just like to note that during um, my interview with Morgan, she mentioned that there was a walk at Centennial Square that has already passed. That was from last week. So that happened on last Friday, I believe. And we're thanking everyone who came to that. Um, In other news, uh, a new Cree teenager joins DC Comics roster of superheroes called the Justice League. And I think this one is being called the Canadian Justice League. The character is inspired by a 15-year-old Cree activist named Shannon Kustashin, who's led efforts to lobby funding for Indigenous education. Kustashin died in a car crash in 2010, shortly before she turned 16. A fundraising youth education movement called Shannon's Dream was established in her honour. Jeff Lemire visited Cree communities to speak to Cree teenagers about what they would like to see in a Cree superhero. The character is a 16-year-old girl named Equinox, or Miabin, who hails from the Moose Factory community in eastern Ontario. This character is a huge step for comic books and, super- and superheroes in general, as it is one of the, most f- one of the first f- Indigenous superheroes ever. Representation is so important for young people, and I'm really pleased to see these steps being taken to create diversity within superheroes. And to see a young Cree woman join the likes of Batman and Superman is a great step in integrating people of color into the comic book world. Ellen DeGeneres caused uproar among social media when she posted a selfie to raise money for an organization that openly opposes the seal hunt in Canada. A recent study stated that Inuit people in Nunavut have the highest food insecurity rate of any indigenous population in a developed country at 68%. Seal meat is a staple food for Inuit people. Seal fur and pelts are widely used for clothing in the frigid Canadian Arctic. Thousands of people had responded to Ellen DeGeneres by tweeting the Ellen, at the Ellen Show by posting something called Seal Feast, where they donned their beautiful warm seal furs. You can join in on Twitter by taking your photos, Seal Fee. After nearly four long years of traveling across Canada for truth and reconciliation hearings, the commission has wrapped up with a celebratory walk in Edmonton. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission hosted a multitude of heartbreaking stories from Canada's residential school survivors with video footage of nearly all the hearings. The ability to tell the stories was described as cathartic and validating for many of its participants. The Truth and Reconciliation Committee reached over 300 communities beginning the hearings in Winnipeg in June of 2010. Over 150,000 Indigenous children were stolen from their families and forced to attend church-run schools over the past 100 years. The most recent closure took place in 1996, and in 2007, the Canadian federal government officially apologized for the atrocities that took place in the residential schools and set up a million-dollar 
a $60 million commission with the mandate being to complete a historical record, a complete historical record of residential school system and the damage it's done to Indigenous people. During this meeting in Edmonton on March 28th, the government of British Columbia provided data about the deaths of Indigenous children from the ages of 4 to 19 of years for a period between 1870 and 1984. In December of 2013, British Columbia released the, defi- the death information and to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. The data was compiled by British Columbia's Vital Statistics Agency as part of the Ministry of Health. Vital Statistics provided 49,000 death registrations between the period of 1870 and 1984. The TRC plans to review each record to determine if the deaths took place in Indian residential schools in BC. It is estimated that 80,000 survivors from the residential schools are still alive today, and the TRC is still an ongo- is an ongoing effort to provide healing to those survivors. Standing Nation drums uh, and summer solstice powwow has been postponed from April 19th to June 21st. The venue has also changed from the First People's House to the Songhees Wellness Center on the Songhees Reserve. You can contact January Rogers on Facebook uh, if you're an artisan and you'd like to book a table to uh, <clears throat> to have your work set out there. Uh, it's going to be a two-day event, I believe, and upcoming a little bit sooner, tomorrow at 2 p.m. in the Cine Center, the UVSS will be holding a special general meeting. There will be free pizza. Uh, you can come out and support the UVSS. The Indigenous Women in Film is in Vancouver on Thursday and Friday at UB- at UBC, Thursday at 6 p.m. There will be a screening of My Legacy with a Q&A from filmmaker Helen Haig Brown. And on Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., there will be a short film screening and discussion. Please RSVP to ubccedlercolonial at gmail.com with women in film in the subject line. Friday night at the Ceremonial Hall at the First People's House at UVic, unassigned reading from 1 to 3 p.m. Up next, I have a song from Tanya Tigak, who recently angered people on Twitter by posting a seal fee with her baby next to a dead seal. Uh, this song is Tanya Tigak and Blood Buck 65. It's called Gentle. That's Tanya Tigak with Buck 65. The song is called Gentle. It's from her album, Ock Blood. The Towson Nation from northern BC has banned yet another mining company from its territory. Fortune Minerals has been advised that they must not enter Towson Nation communities without permission from the Iskut and Telton bands. Fortune wants to build an open pit coal mine on Mount Clappen within Telton tor- territory. First Nations are appalled that the company officials have directly approached reserve residents to promote the mine. The Talton opposed the development in Sacred Headwaters, an area that's known for three major salmon-bearing rivers, and are considered by Talton people to hold extreme cultural value. Today we talked a little bit about uh, a number of different issues, uh, one being the Cree comic book character coming to life, and 
hopefully next week I will have an interview with Jeff Lemire. Um, I'm just in conversation with him now about that. So that would be amazing. I also spoke to Dion Smith-Dockey, who is a part of the Two-Spirit community here in Victoria, about Two-Spirit community and support and how we can support that. And once again, the email for them is the number Victoria at gmail.com. Closing up, I have a little bit of Shenandoah Davis. And if you were in Victoria for the... Angela or not Angela Andrea Gibson show uh, that took place at Rifflandia headquarters this past winter. You would have saw an amazing act by Shenandoah Davis. Um, this is them, and oh yeah, and uh, before that we had a tribe called Red, right? And if you want to find out more information on anything we talked about today, it'll be up on the CFUV website, cfuv.uvic.ca probably by tomorrow. Uh, You're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. I'm Sasha. This was Coastal Voices. Thank you so much for listening and have a great week, everybody. Erin Jones, she's coming up this Friday and if you haven't got your tickets, too bad. They're sold out. You can probably find them somewhere on the internet, but... For now, they're sold out. This is Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. She's playing at Alex Gouldian Hall tonight, or this Friday. Early show, 7 o'clock. Get there early. Uh, This is Mama Don't Like My Man.